Everybody comfortable? Yeah. Get your ass up when I'm talking. Hey, take it easy. It's showtime. It's showtime. Yeah. Feel the magic and soul of the YB. That Davis show. I am Kenneth Davis. Uh, follow me at That's Davis, an executive producer of That Davis Show and Flipping Friends, is of course. Ryan Bukovsky. Follow him at Ryan B Ski and Ryan B Ski One. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing solid. Can't complain. Works uh, work, but we're almost to Wednesday, which is halfway. Yeah, I mean, here's spring break for kids in public school and people that work in education. So nobody's really doing anything except me during this week here at home. Um, so it's been it's been somewhat laid back. I did say that uh, yesterday got in a little bit of the Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League, and it was really good. Really? You're feeling it? it? Was, it was, I felt it, son. That's past really? tense. Okay. Notes. Listen. Oh, so I, I, it, it ended the feelings. They didn't carry over? No, it's, I, it, it did what it needed to do. <laughs> As I, I posted, I would have watched two like more hours of like one of those uh, Westworld episodes that stick with you for a whole week while you're like feeling it. No, it's, it's, you know what? I'm surprised I didn't dream about it last night because usually I end up having like just uh, boomerang loop dreams and I'll stay in whatever was happening or whatever I was watching that day or some type of music that is uh, stuck in earworm in my head. Uh, but yeah, it was long as you know what. And I don't even like movies that go three hours, to be honest with you. And that was four. Um, but it, listen, yeah, it was four hours. I didn't know that. And, time. Yeah. And the thing is to think of a movie that you've seen, you've seen more than half of the scenes in it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, maybe it's half, but you still watch the whole thing again longer and you were pleased is saying a lot about that movie. But he was making sure we got fully what we, he was trying to give us because it, it was basically like a movie and a half. It was like, no, I'm giving you all this because y'all got me, y'all got them to put this out. Y'all going to get them to give me those next two and finish this trilogy. Off. Nice. Uh, but listen, if that if that would have came out. Oh, that's it's totally different from what Josh Whedon uh, dropped uh, a few years back, man. I won't, it was a good one. It was definitely a good one. See, I was I was into it. I was seeing the reviews and they looked beyond terrible. And I was just like, maybe my first instinct to already not want to see Justice League, the original. Right. I guess not, original, non original. And then to see all these bad reviews, I was kind of like, uh, maybe we'll no, just dude, pass it, on this it, it was, it was worth it. It was worth it. But listen, now, I got an audible. Uh, wait, but, can I ask one more question? Obviously, it's no Avengers Endgame or any of that. It's not even close. But where are we on the scale with Justice League? Is this like, does it even come like halfway up the scale? Yeah, that was an eight. I mean, if we're saying Ooh. like in game is a 10, right? That, I mean, like okay, the, I could, you could say scale. it's a seven. Yeah, if only you could say it's a seven because it's it, 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 they, they, they're redoing something that already had dropped. You know what I'm saying? But mm -hmm. when you see what Snyder was trying to convey, 
I mean, and it's it's and I, one thing I did see, like think about it, was people supposed to. It's dark. Like you, like like at what point I'm like, you know, like from the initial thing is always like, well, you got to worry about Superman. You know, don't let anything happen to Lois because Superman's gonna lose his shit, right? And at one point, and like they don't really touch on that until like kind of ha- further than halfway through. Like you know what happened? Maybe this is a bad idea. Which is one of the things that I always said. I don't understand why they didn't argue a lot about what if they turned him like General Zod into Doomsday by messing around with the the, the Krypton ship, the Kryptonian ship, right? Like, how do you you don't know what you're doing, right? Like, so that was one thing. But at one part during the movie, I'm like, wait, we're always supposed to be looking at is Superman changing? But what if it's all these damn mugs, right? Because it was like, whoa, hold up, right? This, this, this is tad dark, right? Good. I like when. Yeah, it, listen, it was good, back. but I mean, it, it was just like, well, well, damn. So, um, it was, it was. I was thoroughly pleased. I'm just being wow. honest with you. I am I'm a Marvel guy. Like yeah, a Marvel I thought guy. you'd be slamming this thing. No, I left it. Like, give me more. Give me, wow. give me more. All right. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Give me um, more I, Zach and the pantsless more, man. More, more Zach. It's kind of like more cowbell. Uh, give me more. <laughs> give me more. <laughs> I got a feel of cowbell. I was watching that clip last week. I always love that clip. All timer. All so, with Christopher Walken. Like I always, <laughs> I always love that one. Like that one was just, oh man, oh man. All right, but listen, I got a punt before we get to my my first off top that I told you about. All right, okay. so I got I got off top. This is a different off top, right? This off top is for the Davis special, as I like to call it. This, this, this off top, and I don't know, but you know what? I don't know if you have it in. Um, let me check with you. Let me go to my producer. Do you have any f- football schedule stuff in up for grabs? No. Okay, we can do this. Listen, this is real quick. NFL, Roger Goodell, owners in particular, you are so full of shit. Like for you to sit there and still, we knew it was going to happen, but for you to put this 17 that's going to go to 18 games and for your lack of sincerity when it comes to caring about these players' life after football, and it was only 60 players, it was, well, it was only 60 more players that agreed with going along with uh, the, with that uh, CBA, which allowed them to win a new a television contract, implement the 17 games and go to three preseason games from four. It's only, think about it, only 60 players, right? Like, you guys, I'll put this on NFL players too. Y'all should have bribed those 60 cats because they were just thirsty, right? <laughs> it was like, you know what, bro? I got an extra 150000 for you if you say no right now. Uh, but to know that you're going to risk these players' life in for more with more injury and how violent football is, and people say, "Well, that's their job." Yeah, man. But we already know the type of damage that it can do. Um, so it's just one of those things. Anytime you see someone try to be sincere, and you know it's fake. And I, we all know it's about the dollar. But still, it's just it, it, it'd be different if it was about the dollar and they had done everything in the past to try to protect players and to let them know about CTE. But when they have a history of trying to hide that and lie uh, about what, what what the effects of what the, the game has on these players, long term health ability, um, it's just it's repulsive, to be honest with you. And again, it is what it is. Am I going to watch it? Hell yeah. But I've always been a person that's not I'm not with it. 16 games is enough. 
if you want to listen, if you want more football and it won't be your team, get, go to two preseason. I mean, go go to two uh, bye weeks and you can expand the season. We'll watch another team. You know, sometimes we may go out. We'll watch some. We'll still watch other football on a, on Sunday too. You know what I'm saying? But the 17 games, which you know is going to be 18 games. Um, it's just it's just sad, but it's a sign of the times that they went from 12 to 14, they went from 14 to 16, they went from 16 to 17, and we know damn where they're going to go to 18. And before me and you probably leave this earth, they may go to 20, which is like, damn, that's a lot of football, especially if you don't that's implement. Yeah, if, I'm, listen, I'm not talking about viewership. I'm a watch, but as far as their bodies, it'd be Even different. Even as a like, viewer, I feel like that's dirty. getting too much. It's just it's getting dirty. too much. Well, it's like... <laughs> The season's already what four or five months. Like, what are we going to do here? Like, you probably have to throw in another bye if you go to like twenty games. I know that's not what we're talking about, oh, but I will hope man, you if would. you're playing like seven months of football, like I don't know. We'll we'll watch it, but um, and all the hint the hint of Friday night football, NFL football. But yeah, it's just I, I'm I just it's upsetting, but it's the world that we live in. And again, like I said, I'm going to view it, but I, I just wish that the players weren't in this situation and ownership didn't just always go for the money grab and the players are doing it too, but it's, it's still just something that's disheartening to say the least. All right. Oh, Wait, let's go to go ahead. I'm sorry. I got to throw my two, two cents in this. Just that, you like you said, I don't have a huge, like when you lose me with the football players should play football argument. When you look at a couple things, when the owners just, Hey, get, let's give them an extra percent of the revenue. That's really hard to turn down, especially if you're a guy that's only going to be in the league for four years, which is the average at best for most players. Obviously, if you're one of the stars, that does nothing for you. You want the big money, the big grab. But if you're not a star, and even if you play a different position, unlike quarterback where you're not protected, you just never know how quickly that can go. So a lot of these players get motivated to go after that 1% rather than hold out for more and more rightful rights that they deserve as players within their collective bargaining agreement. But that's really hard to do when you have such a small window. And I think the other thing that makes it just terrible is when you compare it to the other majors, baseball, you just have to play in a major league game, I believe, to get health insurance for the rest of your life. In football, you have to like be in the league for years before you qualify for health insurance for the rest of your it's life. It's went down. It's went down, but it's still it's lengthy. It's not as high. I, I, they've changed the players have helped the older players I know in the last few CBAs, but it's still not what like you're just saying. Hey, if you if you play uh, two games a game, you should have some type of coverage, and the coverage used to go out after a certain period of time. So this and this he- sport out this sport out of all sports should take care of their players from when they enter the league to when they leave this planet. Exactly. And that was just the short of my point compared to all the other major sports. The NFL has the worst, worst health insurance and they need it the most by far. And when I mean leave this planet, I mean when they go to Mars, not when they die, because we know it's going to be football on Mars. Man, you can't throw it on the moon first. We're already going to Mars. We're not going to be straight, alive for that one. Straight to Mars. Straight to we Mars. We might right. be alive for the moon ball. <laughs> I don't know about Mars ball. <laughs> All right, listen. I enjoyed myself last night, and I found I found myself uh, drifting at times watching uh, NCAA women's tournament uh, more than some of the men's game. And I've and it's funny this year. I think I've seen about I've seen parts of four Baylor games, perhaps at least this year. 
Uh, I was sucked in early in the beginning of the year on the Dee Dee Richardson story. When I, I remember, I think it was her first game back. Every time she got like fouled hard, I was like, oh, no. Right. Uh, just seeing her come back from that spinal cord injury she had uh, prior to the season. Uh, I, I, I started peeping a game of uh, the fifth year Stanford transfer. Uh, Dejanay, uh, uh Callerton, I believe. Curlington, Curlington, I believe. And look, I was I was watching that whole game yesterday between uh, UConn and Baylor. You know what I'm saying? It was it You're was watching sweet. the moment. I was watching the moment. It's funny thing. Afton was in the laundry room, right? And she knows I was into it. And I'm I'm cheering for Baylor, right? Because I kind of have her beef towards Gino. Uh, yeah, she kind of she 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 kind of let go. We had to let go right there. Uh, but um, <laughs> the thing was this. The thing was this. The thing is this. And I get people. Did she get fouled? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Did but she get problem, fouled, folks? She got fouled. But the problem is you can't try to get the refs to bail you out at that point. Yeah, that's what I said when it happened. I was like, dick, because you she tried two different times to penetrate. They tried pick and roll. And Shuddy was like, I'm going for it. Right. And when she went for it, I'm like, ah, this is, you know, she was getting to the basket more and, and breaking them down. But with the fadeaway, I'm like, I don't know about this with those with those two long, those little two long ladies on her. Um, but and my first thought was, dude, you're not you can't they're not going to bail you out right now. You know, and then people will say like, man, that, hey, you got to call the game the whole way. I understand that. But historically, you don't no. get bailed out. And on the flip side, if it was your team, you'd be upset if somebody got bailed out. Now, Gino or Emma talking about LeBron's uh, tweet about them getting job was like, hey, I'm sure LeBron has won a game that the referee took from another team. And he was OK no. with it. And I'm, and I'm happy Gino was honest. Gino or Emma's daughter came out was like, that's a foul. Right. I wanted to see Baylor go. Um, I, I probably want to see Baylor go all the way. You know what I'm saying? Because I think D.D. Richardson's story had me had me keyed up for Baylor uh, this year. And then, of course, just Dejanay just, you know, she's just coming in, stealing, stealing all her brother's hearts. Um, but was balling, just just balling. Right. Um, but to see that game, it was a wonderful game. It was entertaining. And it's the thing, too, to keep people keep they keep kind of forgetting because people are like, well, you know, uh, Baylor let them catch up. That see that that that's not that's taken out of context. DG Richardson, their best defensive player, she was uh, the defensive player. I don't know if it was of uh, the, the 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 conference or if it was the nation last year. I, I could be wrong with right there. She pulled she pulled a hammy, right? It looked like she pulled she pulled him. I don't think she tore something, but she she went down. It was like oh no. And at this point, Baylor's up by like eight. Right. And it's, it's like a steady eight. Basically, it's not like like maybe only twice did Connecticut cut it down to like three or four. But then it was like a steady eight. She leaves the game. They put the freshman in a point. She's basically the primary ball handler. She kind of initiates the she kind of initiates offense. But I wouldn't look at her necessarily as like she's a, a, a true, true facilitator. But she still is the head dog. Uh, she tried to come back in. They taped her up. She was hobbling all around the court. It was, and that's what that's how Baylor lost the game. Once Dee Dee Richardson went out and their best defender, and she had, um, uh, she 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 was locking, uh, I forget, uh, the young lady who's the freshman at UConn is just killing from the mid reg game. Uh, Berkshire, I can't remember her name and I don't want to mess it up. Um, they got another one coming. It's, it's UConn, though, so they always have another one coming in. Um, yeah, stop me if you heard UConn got a strong women's program. <laughs> Yeah, they have another one coming in. She tore ACL, uh, but she came back uh, a freshman next year. But anyway, the major thing is Baylor lost because Dee Dee Richardson got hurt. 
And I, I think that kind of got swallowed up in what happened in the last seconds. And, and people have kind of like, well, Baylor gave the game up. Baylor didn't give the game up. Didi went out there and tried her darndest. Uh, you could see it in her face how much it hurt her because she had to believe if I was out there, we would have won. And it seems likely they they would have won if she was out there. But it was a terrific game. Uh, I've seen like just some terrific games with the uh, women's tournament this year. Uh, so shout out to all the ladies for just, uh, you know, being uh, for giving us pleasing basketball, to say the least. Yeah, no doubt. I haven't caught a lot of college basketball in general, but uh, I definitely feel like the women's game is improving. Improving a lot. It's always been good, man. Stop. Don't do that. I'm not saying it's bad. I've always enjoyed it. It's catching up to another level. I really do. Yeah, I I go back and forth uh, since 96 um, with Atlanta. With the redeemed, when it was the redeemed team, with, with that females basketball team, I forget what they called with the, the nickname for it. I've been a fan when it was the, the 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 WNBA and was it the I forget what the other league was. I don't know if it was the ABA. They had two leagues initially. That's how big uh, women's basketball was after '96, and then after like two to three years, the other one, the other league folded. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy it. Sometimes I don't watch it as much, um, I, particularly because our team here who I have waited and waited to get good. And when they finally got a player that I wanted them to get, she didn't want to be here any longer. That's um, a big so, thing for me. I usually only care about Chicago to begin with, with sports. Yeah. So when you sit there and say we have fouls once out, uh, when you look at it, you just, you just see the players and, and it's just, Hey, you got, they had perhaps the best, the most gifted player in the WNBA wanted to go back home and be closer to a family. Um, so it's just one of those things where that team doesn't sometimes um, it just doesn't sit well with me. So it's kind of uh, put a bitter taste in my mouth for a uh, women's basketball, because that's the team that I probably do the women's basketball team. I root for the most outside of Tennessee. Somebody needs to go down to Tennessee and bring back Tennessee period. Like it, it needs to happen. One of these former players, somebody has to bring Tennessee back. I need it. I'm happy. There are more schools and it's not just Tennessee and UConn, um, but I need Tennessee. I need to see that, that orange, in a tournament, I need to see somebody carry the torch from Pat Summit, who is the great is is one of the greatest basketball coaches I ever saw growing up in my life. I loved Pat Summit at Tennessee, uh, and I want to see that program resurrected to where it, it should be. Yeah, that'd be cool. It might be tough sometimes when you lose that legend. You just never can have that same program. True, true. But I mean, you know, we got my girl. She may not want to leave South Carolina, but hey, Don Staley, Tennessee is Tennessee, though. Tennessee. If I had ten, if I had Don Staley, Tennessee, my heart would explode. There'd be some of my some of my loves would be my heart would like I as a kid I loved Don Staley. My heart better make it to Mexico. Heart. This announcement has to come next year, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. You know it's time to uh, get into a little bit of football. There's been a lot of moving and shaking in the draft uh, recently. You had the. Um, the San Francisco 49ers make a deal with the, the Dolphins uh, to jump up to number three in the draft. Uh, the Dolphins moved down to 12. Um, then they jumped back up and made a deal with the Eagles uh, to move to number six. And the Eagles are going to move down to 12. And every team that I talk about received two outside of the Eagles received two first round picks. The Eagles received one. The love of Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil produced four, I mean, four first round picks. From that move, they just keep that smoke mask just keeps on giving, doesn't it? Good for him. <laughs> good for yeah, him. Good, good for him. Especially because somebody planted that draft night, and that was always bogus. Oh yeah, um, but 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 that listen, was overblown. 
True, true, definitely. It was just that, like, what do you do that night? It's like, oh, oh right. not, not, not. Like I don't want the PR hit. Yeah, right. Which, which there's worse PR hits you can have now. We know that, right? So <laughs> the thing is, one, and I, I, I mentioned this on the Under Center podcast this past week's episode. If this means, and again, I'm not saying he's not going to be successful. He's can I, going can to I just right say to, something really quick? Please go ahead. Yeah. Because I was listening to the episode when I got this update of the rumor that you're about to talk about. And just like seeing the rumor update notification on my phone and then hearing you react, even though it was post or it was pre the report. Oh, man, I got a big kick out of that. Dude, (laughs) dude, because let's put the okay. what what we're talking about is this. We're just we're football guys. That doesn't mean we're not coaches or anything like that. But we have football common sense. You know, the type of quarterback that Shanahan's like, like uh, Mike Shanahan, Cal's father. He didn't have young John Elway. You know what I'm saying? He had more stationary John Elway. Uh, we knew the situation as far as with the Shanahan's and Daniel Snyder wanting to draft Robert, Robert Griffin III uh, and, and and then them drafting Kirk Cousins. I believe in the fourth round that year they drafted Kirk Cousins. And throw um, Jay Cutler in there. Jay Cutler was sort of a dual threat. Yeah, and Jay Cutler being sort of a dual threat. But I, I'll even look at him because Josh McDaniels was the person that traded him away. Well, I'm just saying, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, even then, Jay, Cut- Jay Cutler was a different type of freak, though. Like, you, yes. you, he was at Vandy. You was like, you were looking at him as being cerebral with arm talent. The legs were just a crazy plus at yep. the time, right? Yes. That was you know, not the main selling. It was attraction. not the main. You was not like, I want to see him out there just juking food. That's a plus but, that you saw later on. Like, hey, I like that. Hey. Yeah, and while he was carrying Vanderbilt in the SEC while he was getting bludgeoned, but he was the one shining light. Um, the thing is this. You know that they, they seem to like a stationary quarterback. You look at Matt Ryan uh, with Atlanta when Mikhail Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. Um, again, you look at uh, Kirk Cousins when they, him and his father were in Washington. Um, you, Jimmy Garoppolo has a little bit more athleticism, but I'm, I'm sure he thought with Jimmy Garoppolo being the heir apparent to Tom Brady that perhaps he'd be he'd be he he, he would be easily adaptable uh, to the offense that Cal Shanahan wants to implement, which hasn't necessarily come to fruition. So common sense kind of tells you, like, is he moving up to draft Trey Lance or Justin Fields? Man? Or is he moving up to draft Mac Jones? Because Mac Jones fits the profile, which is like, dude, if Mac Jones can go from a, a, a second to a second round pick early this year, but really a third round, fourth round pick after last season when Tua got hurt, really, right? If just had a phenomenal year, followed up Joe Burrow as far as having yeah, like here's Joe like, Burrow part two. Exactly. A ridiculous, ridiculous season, whatever. And it propelled him to this. But if it could get him to jump to number three in the draft, oh buddy, I'm gonna yeah. blow my top. And again, if anybody can do it, it's Cal Shanahan. I'm not saying that he's not going to be a, a nice player. I'm, I think there are several teams that Mac Jones could come, go to and be a Pro Bowl player. One of them is San Francisco. One of them is definitely uh, the Patriots. Uh, definitely, if he ended up, uh, depending on who the offensive coordinator was, in Atlanta, uh, because they, that's the system. They, they're not asking the quarterback to be out there running with the ball or anything like that. And I believe in anybody Sean Payton gets his hands on. Um, you know, so actually, I'll say this too. Andy Reid can adapt too. 
You know what I'm saying? So there, there are several teams you, you look at and you'd be like, yeah, I, I, I bet that team, regardless of him being quote unquote sneaky athletic as the term has been used uh, recently, um, that they can make it work with him. The Bears, I don't think, could make it work with Mac Jones. I don't think the offensive line is, is stout enough to protect him, especially him being a rookie. You know, it'd be, di- it'd be different if we're talking about Mac Jones in year five and he's seen it all and done it all. But we're talking about Mac Jones in year one, and he's not used to the pros, and then your offensive line may be somewhat questionable. Uh, but, yeah, when sitting there and looking at the the, 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 moving, the movements, my, my first thought was, well, we all know, it came out today that uh, the 49ers basically, or maybe yesterday, the 49ers owned up and said that, yeah, they're probably going to take a quarterback, All right, which common sense, told, common sense told us that. But they owned up and said, yeah, we're probably going to end up taking a quarterback. Um, and then you look at Miami's movement to get back into number six, and that has uh, Devontae Smith, uh, Chase Waddle, and and uh, and, uh, and, and Pitts from uh, my, I mean from the Florida written all over. I'm Kylie. listening. I'm 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 interested in seeing who they take. And also, it's, it does say this too. It says that maybe it's because of the issues that's taking place in Houston, but it says that they're sticking with Tua. So I mean, a lot of a lot of things have been answered. Uh, and we find out the draft begins at number four with what Atlanta decides that they want to do. If they want to move back, how long we know that Cal, I mean, that uh, Ryan, Matt Ryan is, has moved some money around. Uh, but what they plan on doing, if they want to draft a and, guy and stash him. Yeah. And Ken, they might be in play for quarterbacks still. I mean, That's we what, know yeah. it could be Lawrence Wilson, probably, well, let's just say Jones, not probably, let's just say Jones right now. I mean, you're only three picks away with still two quarterbacks and you know the tackle's going. Yeah, dude. My my thing is this: the, uh, Ohio Ohio State had their pro day today. Um, Justin Fields ran the second fastest forty time behind Robert Griffin the third. Even though that doesn't mean that they're the fastest, I'm sure Mike Vick and Lamar Jackson ran unofficial times on their pro days at school. They just probably I know Lamar Jackson didn't run uh, in the combine, and Vick probably didn't run in the combine. Any, any if they're going number one, they're not they're not giving you that clock time, that official clock time at quarterback. You could just, only is like somebody cocky trying to prove something, but nine times out of ten, it's like why do I have to do that? I'm I'm going early in the draft now. Vick went number one. And we know that uh, Lamar Jackson went in the beginning of the second round, or they ju- jumped right back until it's the back of the first round. The Baltimore Ravens did. Um, but listen, it, it still lets us know a lot was going on, and it's still the chance that you may have four to four quarterbacks going in the first four picks ever in a draft. And it makes me think, like, man, are we really overvaluing these cats? And this, back that's my headliner right there. That's the headline. We are seriously going to have five quarterbacks go in like the first seven picks. Like it is going to be quarterback bonanza. And I get it. Trevor Lawrence, he is arguably the best graded prospect since luck Elway, some of these guys. And so he's number one and he looks great. And Zach Wilson, he looks really good in his workouts and he showed a lot of potential during the season he rose up draft boards he was always kind of looked at as a first rounder but not necessarily number two he cemented that he's going to be the number two unless the Jets just fall in love with fields or lance for some reason but logically it's going to be wilson at number two so if you're talking mac jones at three and then we got fields and trey lance like first of all with mac jones i agree with you he's being way too high at number three, he should definitely be at the back end of the first round at the highest. 
Then you've got question marks all over with Trey Lance. I mean, he's got a ton of potential. We've obviously talked a lot about him, and we really like him. But he hasn't played football in like a year, and he's only played one full season at a Division II college, and he is pegged for sure to be a top-five pick at this point. Like, it's whoa, 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 whoa. Like, throw all the scouting reports out the window. Like, this is Christian Ponder on steroids all of a sudden. This reminds me. Emmanuel. I'm gonna forget some of these guys. Tim Couch, Akili Smith, oh, Kate McNown. Did Cardale Nash. Jones still go in the first round? I don't remember. I feel like this is like Cardale Jones part three or something. Woof. Woof. Uh, and Donovan McNabb. It's, it's like some of the drafts where I've, we've seen in the first round, uh, quarterbacks get snatched, even though they didn't go one, two, three, and four, or one, two, and three, uh, but they were still overvalued. And it's like, wait, only really one and a half of those dudes panned out, and neither neither one were the first like two or three guys taken. <laughs> or no, first first two out of three. Donovan McNabb was it did go. Uh, in the, like the top seven in that draft. I think, I, I don't believe, I don't know if Akili went after him. I'm not sure, but Tim Couch to Cleveland went number one. I do remember that. And you have uh, all the other pieces. Like you've got a dominant pass rusher. You got the tackle. You've got plenty of outside talent. Like it's not like a draft that's like, well, the quarterbacks have to go because it's a pretty weak draft overall. No, like, it's it's a cornerback receiver tackle draft. And you're like, dude, I want that quarterback. <laughs> Give me that quarterback. Um, <laughs> this. this is the picture I have. They have to decide between these two, apparently. And it's like, how is it even a, a d- debate against Mac Jones and Justin Fields? But Justin Fields wasn't great. Mac Jones you, rises up. You, you have ju- you you clearly have Justin Fields over Trey Lance with Cal Shanahan. That's a great. I point. don't know. I don't know. Listen, I, 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 I would. I would personally, but Common for San Francisco, I don't. I don't know. Common sense dictates you're right. All right. Common sense dictates you're talking about a guy with 63 touchdowns and like nine interceptions in two seasons in the Big Ten. Um, but the, the people have been coming down on Justin so hard that I don't know. At a part of me today was starting to think, is he going to be the guy that blows up and people are going to be like, oh, y'all, you guys are out talked yourselves of getting him? Or is he mm-hmm. truly going to be the one that was just a one trick pony? And it's going to be like, you know what? It is good that we didn't get him because it seems like a lot of people are down on him. I, I, I feel like this. If the Bears have a chance to get a quarterback now, he may be the guy. Wow. And I mean, I, I don't necessarily like- disagree. And I yeah. think a big thing that's hurt Justin, he had kind of whatever year in a really down year in the Big Ten. I mean, Northwestern, Indiana, they were like the top two schools in the Big Ten besides Ohio State. Or I'm sorry, in the top three besides Ohio State. It, I get where you're coming from. Talent. Northwestern's going to have two dudes in the first round, perhaps, if that cornerback goes in the bottom of the first. I'll you give, know, I'll give you that. They're, they definitely have some positive. They have some, yeah, they got some talent. Growing. But, I mean, that's it really, right? Like, who else yeah. was good in the Big Ten that you really yeah, saw Justin nobody. like? You should have dominated, to be honest. I mean, especially some of the. It was re- a crazy year. It was a crazy year, though, man. Like, I agree. When, I agree. When are we going? When do they but get the amateur? How, but how do you look at it? You know, like, do you look at it as Justin should have dominated, or like it makes sense why Justin didn't dominate? No, he no? should have dominated. But let's let's factor in a couple things, right? 
He didn't get any ticket, Georgia. Like this would be different if this was his third season. This is his always second comes back year. to Kirby Smart with you. Come on now, come. What were you doing? What were you? You didn't win a national. It'd be different if they won. If Fromm, I know Fromm took him there. Ooh, I can take you there. I know Fromm took him there, but you should have moved off of Fromm and you should have put in this kid because you knew that there's only so far that Jake Fromm could take you, and you settled for that and let this kid just jump up out of there. And this could have been two years of you having him in the SEC running down Alabama instead of Alabama still giving you the business, uh, Kirby. But yeah. I mean, he's only had two seasons, but they've been pretty good seasons when you look at the numbers. The question is, what happens when he gets to to to, to the third read? That's what you know. People people basically say if you you get him to move off the first and the second, that's when you have him. I saw uh, Coach Day today said that you know he got to his fifth read easy easily, but he just says, "Coach, what is he going to say?" You know, sometimes he was. You know, at his pro day, right? Yeah, so of course he's going to sit there and hype the kid up, and you know that's been his guy since he's taken over uh, that that head coaching uh, situation. But uh, yeah, I definitely think how it looks, and I could be wrong. Don't get it twisted. He's looking like the the fifth guy, uh, and I think that this is how this, this go along with what you're saying. It's so crazy that I feel like Trey Lance not playing isn't even going to be a hindrance. It's kind of an asset because they don't have more film on him to be like, I don't like that. Maybe. Compared Maybe. to what you're, we're talking about with Justin, right? Because think about it. So let's just say Justin Fields doesn't play this season. Dude, he's a, if they don't have a season, he's the second quarterback in the draft. Period. Yeah, no doubt. Look, Zach Wilson is There's like, no Zach the, Wilson. Look, Matt Jones is it is it touching the first, right? Trey Lance may Trey Lance would be a, a he probably would go first, but it'll be like you can get him at twenty, yeah, you know maybe fifteen at the earliest. Exactly. But if if you listen, Justin Fields would have went in the top four to five. We knew Trevor Lawrence was going to go number one regardless. All right, yep. but if this NCAA season never took place. Justin Fields was going to be the second quarterback taken unless somebody just had enough tape on Zach right. Wilson where they was like, you know what? I or they fell in care. love on the pro day. Like, I just right, love right. this that pro got to be that. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. But for, for when you look at Trey Lance and Trey Lance only playing one game this season and then that 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 conference saying we're done with it. He, there's no bad tape. He didn't. He That's the only interception he threw in his whole college collegiate career was in that one game. The, the, the other year he played, he didn't throw any interceptions. So he doesn't have as many warts because he doesn't have as much tape on him. Now, some people can say that is a wart, but I think some people can gas themselves up a, a, to look at the tape and be like, you know what? I can work with this. You know, I can take you there. Yeah. That's a double-edged sword at all times. And maybe that's yeah. the thing to watch in this draft is – does a quarterback fall out of the top seven? Because if it does, it's is filled. it just like the Bears and everybody else sprinting to try to get one of them? Carolina's going to be up there so fast. Like, take my... Like, if you're uh, Dallas at 10 and Justin Fields is on the board, are you just like, come on in, open for business? Hell yes. Do you what? What you got? Like, hit, definitely. Uh, even though Dallas may want to, you know, Dallas cap situation, they may want to use that asset. If, to be honest with you, they should use it on offensive line because that line isn't what it used to be. We need well, to stop talking about that line like it's the old rounders line. for them. I'm I mean, with you. You can get two first. That quarterback, you might want to I mean, be like, oh, true. But it's the thing of 
What value do you, because of course we got to talk about the Bears in the situation. What value do you place on going from 10 to 20 and having a court? I bet you can get a first rounder out of that. No, no, no. I'm saying, of course, you're not going to go back and not get it something. No, 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 no. Like the first rounder plus the extra picks. But you, if you were getting in the top 10, you'd have to give up so many first rounders. If you're just going 10 spots, you might be able to get away with a first rounder and some other like second, third, two thirds, something like that. Maybe. But listen, I don't think I don't think that that guy's going to last to 10 because you're going to have. Uh, Carolina, um, who else may jump into that? It's another team that I'm blanking on, right? You may have Washington, uh, depending on what they well, want to do. Your top 10 is Jaguars, Jets, 49ers, Falcons, Bengals, Dolphins, Lions, Panthers, Broncos, Cowboys. All those Broncos. teams need a quarterback. Broncos, Broncos, maybe the Bengals. Broncos want a quarterback. So and the Cowboys, right. You would have to just hope that this is the thing. You would have to hope none of those teams like that quarterback. And if they don't like the quarterback, why do you? And I'm not saying that's how you should look at it. If you see something and identify something in someone and you say you're saying, forget that. I know what I can do with this guy and you can prove it. That's one thing. They haven't been able to prove it with that position here when we're talking about the Bears. Yeah, you kind of have to hope that teams really go by best player available. That's the only way a quarterback's going to fall to you because they're overdrafting them. But you make the point, Ryan, when you just said that right. even if people they're going to someone's going to draft up like like you don't have the draft equity to beat the guys that are going to draft up to take that quarterback, let alone the people that are sitting there. It's like he may fall to us. So yeah. like you basically have to get like you have to pray to get to six and hope nobody else jumps up. Mm-hmm. Like that's what you have to be like. Who's wait, which where's Cincinnati at? They're they're, they're five or six. Five. The number five, like you, you basically got to get there and then hope a team is just willing to take whatever you slanging, you know, and you better be slanging it. And for them, they might be like, you know what? We're good. We got the quarterback. Let's get a top five pick right now of whatever position we're thinking about. You just just take your tackle bears and just just go eat, you know, this 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 nasty porridge that you done put together. Oh, man, yeah. don't throw don't throw the Bosch under there. Under the bus. Just sorry, man. It's just it's bad business to say the least, but it is what it is, man. It is what it is. But they dug their grave. Yeah, now they got a lie in it. But while we're still talking about trading and, and horse swapping, uh, that wasn't the only trade in, that was in particularly uh, important here in Chicago. And I know the Bears didn't make a trade, but it still implies what capital they may have to give up. But it also shows that they just may be out of it when it comes to getting a quarterback because teams are already moving up and teams are giving up draft equity. But the Bulls made a deal. Is this what there we you got? Go. You got Vucci, Vucci and Zach together back to back. And I uh, picked this one because they're uh, playing at an all-star level right now, too. The entire team, actually. Psych! <laughs> the Bulls uh, made a trade with their Landry Magic for Nikola Vucevic. Uh, they sent uh, the wonderful Wendell Carter. That looks like it's airbrushed right there. That ain't that's not that's that ain't legit right there. That ain't legit right there. I, I could tell that. Well, look, they right got the cutout fans in the background. Oh, come on. That doesn't matter. That that right there is Patrick Williams' body, and they just swapped the arms, neck, and face <laughs> off right there. I, that's the oh that that delete that the melanin. Delete it. <laughs> Uh, But listen, the Bulls sent to Orlando Magic uh, uh, Wendell Carter Jr. We wish him the best. It didn't work out. Uh, You know, Wendell was suspect on this show. Not now. No hate. It just didn't. I didn't see it. 
um, and two first round picks that are first uh, are protected in the first four picks from this year and 2023. Uh, they also made some deals sending uh, Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson to Washington in swaps with um, the Washington Wizards and the Boston Celtics. The Bulls got back Tice, Troy Brown Jr. Um, who else did they get back? I'm missing. Um, um, Mo Wagner, shout out to Michigan tonight, and his brother playing on that team. And then no, Mo Wagner went to Mo Wagner went to the Celtics. The, the Bulls, Bulls did him. acquire him, and then yeah, and they sent him to the Celtics. I'm missing one more cat. It's not important. Yes, you are. I know you are. Yeah. I'll get you He's the name. Go ahead. Well, listen, the Bulls, the Bulls, you know, they, they stepped out now. And one of the questions that we've always asked on this show was what was the direction that our tenure's counter service was going to take? And also, what did he sell Billy Donovan? Because it didn't make sense that Billy Donovan, who could have had a myriad of NBA jobs, not to say he could have gotten the top, top, but he can get all of the, the second to the middle, probably, um, if he would have waited or just been out there longer this season. Um, that Billy Donovan sat there and took this job, you would think that our tourist kind of service didn't tell him it's going to be like a three and a half year, you know, uh, slow, methodical pace that we're taking through the draft that he he had to entice him with. We're not going to wait to win. Uh, this direction says that, but, you know, they got to play a lot. Of, they got to play a lot more games together. Uh, but it's, it's a good it's a good move by the Bulls. Um, he's an all-star center. He's got to be probably, and I'm, I'm not naming him off my head right now, the fifth or sixth best center, perhaps in the NBA, I would say. But you got MB, you got Joker. Um, who else you got that's killing it really from the five position, five position? Rudy. You got you, Rudy. You got Rudy. I, I was I was slightly perhaps you know, I would probably take Vucevic over Rudy and his crying though. I'll say that much. You know, it's just a little, little, little whiny. But so we're saying right there, <coughs> top four, top five guy. Javante Green, Vucevic. by the way. Yeah, and Javante Green, who uh, had fallen out um, with uh, Scott Brooks, Scotty Brooks, uh, with the Wizards, and is probably going to get a chance pretty young. I believe he's 21 years old, swingman um, that the Bulls can wow, sit there. Wow, good for Javante Green. If you fall out with uh, Scotty Brooks, that means you're falling up to whoever you're getting. Talk that talk, Ryan. <laughs> talk that. <laughs> Scotty, I'm a point guard, but I can never teach Russell to be a point guard. Russell just won't listen to me, Brooks. Um, you see Russell went off last night with, uh, when he didn't have Bradley Bill and they won a game. Russell had like, what, 37 to 20? Like he had a phenomenal night, but it was like all me, baby. All me. If y'all, the problem is y'all got these other stars next to me. I need an old AI team. All right. Try hard. Give me a center that can play defense and just let me go out and do my, do my, my thing is what I need to do. I need to do my thing. Can everyone else defend while I do everything else? <laughs> Why star? Uh, but yeah, so the Bulls uh, definitely made a big move. Uh, also, this says that they're going to build around Zach Levine. Uh, Zach proved it to this front office that, you know what, I'm, I'm going to work hard. Zach has been Zach's been in that lane so hard this year. That's Every time I tune into Bulls to see a highlight, the fact of seeing him just go to the hole and not sitting there and and uh, and settling for jump shots, even though we know his jumper is wet, uh, has made me feel a lot better about Zach. I've been feeling good about him for at least two years, but it's it's, it's emboldened him even more. It's like, all right, Zach, you know what I'm saying? But all you are is really one dude off. But the problem is now you're going to have to really start tinkering with the defense because 
Zach, Nicola, these guys, these these names aren't going to be in the annals of best defensive player as Jermon Green wants to talk about and discuss. You know what I'm saying? They're not going to show up anywhere in that hall. Uh, so you're going to have you got Patrick Williams. Uh, you're going to need whoever that point is. He better be able to D somebody up super crazy. And whoever is going to be the long term guy, if it's going to be Patrick Williams playing power for whoever's going to be that long term guy at the three, he's going to have to be a nice defender, too, because, you know, that th- those those are aren't the strengths when it comes to your two all-stars in Nicola and in Zach Levine. But if you ask me if I like to trade, I like to trade. Um, it also gives you, uh, it gives you this too. Gives you assets. Like, and I know no one said this, at least from what I've heard, but let's just say next year, you're not liking the way this is going. You could still trade Nikola Vucevic uh, uh, to another team with another year on his contract that's low. You know what I'm saying? Or you could move Zach. I mean, and I know next year, Zach's last year, but you could move Zach, and if you can think you can find somebody else that can maybe fill that that hole a little bit more, but Zach isn't going to be as attractive because last next year is his last year, um, and he probably shouldn't resign with the Bulls if he is going to resign to after next season because uh, I believe probably then uh, I don't know I, I know he can get more money, but I don't I don't know if Zach had been in the league for ten years at that point. Zach's only been in the league for what like he was in the league three years before he got his six years. Yeah, so he won't get his he well he's not at his ten year point where he can get to thirty some percent of the cap, but still with his service time he can get more money and be fully maxed out so uh, definitely we'll see uh, I want to see how uh, Billy Donovan uses these players I'm sure that he he definitely had to have some input it seems like him taking taking his job he gets to, to pick a little bit more of the groceries than maybe Sam Presti was going to allow him to pick up um, but yeah it's, it's a good trade and again I wasn't a window guy uh, my only problem is that Giving up two number ones, and I, I'm, I don't want to sound uh, uh, disrespectful. It just shows that the, the value that Wendell had. Like if Wendell was doing close to what Wendell was doing, but still you didn't look at him as being offensively efficient enough uh, to be able to be the guy that you can start some of your off, initiate some of your offense from, you know, and be an outside threat. But he was still the defender that you expected him to become. You would have probably only had to give up a, a one pick him and maybe a little bit more change. But with him being somewhat of a reclamation project right now, you had to send two ones with him, even though who knows how many teams was out there for Vucevic because he does have to be an all-star, a a pretty attractive contract moving forward. Yeah, don't uh, disagree with anything you're saying. I like the trade overall. And now it just, can you build a defense around Zach and Vooch, I guess, because... I mean, I, I, Zach has improved somewhat as a defender. Maybe he can continue to, but I, I think Vooch has kind of written his story as a defender. So, <clears throat> I mean, the Bulls are getting closer to what we want them to look like, but they're going to hit a critical junction coming up here pretty soon where it's either going to be bringing in a free agent with money, find a creative way to get another kind of trade because – Odds are you're probably not going to be drafting your next star unless you hit them in 2022. Listen, I hope we stick it to the Orlando Magic and their Pat Williams, the the, the old front office guy that went back to back winning number one, the number one pick with Shaq and ended up being Penny, but Chris Webber traded to the Golden State uh, Warriors for Penny. Um, I hope they hit number four at least. And Orlando's like, damn it. Right. If they can get out of this and hit into the top four, I would be like, salute. Right. Like, I don't know where that four keep, leave clover you keeping is at, but 
Shagow! <laughs> like, I would be ecstatic. But yeah, it looks like it, common sense would dictate that it's not going to happen. Um, but listen, right now, they're on the skid. Now, And again, you would expect perhaps, even though sometimes people make a trade and they go on and uh, they, they click quicker, but they're, they're finding each other out. Um, you know, they're sitting there. Vucevic has to get used to the plays. They have to get used to the type of spacing and where each other likes to ball. Uh, they have to just gain familiarity. And I'm talking about Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic. Um, so it's going to take a little bit of time, but they don't have that much time if this their goal is to try to get it out of the play-in and to try to get to the sixth spot. You know what I'm saying? They're going to have to start cranking out some victories, I would say, at least in the next week. I know they were they were initially, but when the trade happened, they were like three games out of the sixth spot, and they've lost the last two games. Um, and they're so probably going to lose their next upcoming games with, uh, what is it, the Nets, the Suns, and the Jazz. Not well, the Nets, I know they got Kyrie back, so the Nets have Kyrie back. Yeah, the, that, that, that Nets one. And that's yeah. my other point yeah. is – it's not necessarily surprising because we knew the Bulls stunk last year and it's not they're not going from stunk to one of the best teams in the NBA. But if they've struggled anywhere this year, it's against good competition. They have been really bad against good teams. That's got to start changing at some point if they're going to do anything this year in terms of being a six seed. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I definitely tuned into that first game. And at halftime, I was like, I think I don't have to dedicate any more of my time to this. Uh, I know they can made a comeback run, uh, but still, it's, you know, they're working out the kinks. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. And it, it, listen, it was something we talked about. It starts to make the Bulls a, a tad bit more wa- much watch TV. And with so many things going on, you know, wh- why am I going to tune in when it seems like they're going through the motions as far as trying to get this team back into contention where, you know, initially it looked methodical. And now since they did this jump start, we'll see what they're going to do. Maybe they'll get a free agent. I don't know if we know that, that initially they, that perhaps they were trying to trade for Lonzo Ball. I don't know if this team and just Lonzo Ball Ball, is that much of a difference? I'm sure having a point guard does benefit you, but that much of a difference? And one of the things me and you were talking about on the last show, one of the questions you asked, what was what's more important, a center or a point guard? And we were saying a center that's like Vucevic to a certain degree, but we we're also talking about a rim protection. And, you know, the, the, so defensively, someone that can help defensively, because either you won't help with the point guard stopping the, the initial go, or you want the center to be able to clean up what the guards are basically doing if they're being uh, too advantageous or they're just not dealing up well enough to be over to, to clean up all that type of mess. Uh, so we'll see, man. I mean, but at least it's interesting. You know what I'm saying? And it's yes. not just like, it's not like the Otto Porter trade. Where it was just like, well, you know what? They weren't going to sign a free agent. They get him, so it's not bad. And it ended up being bad. The auto Porter trade ended up being a bad trade because basically he wasn't healthy. Regardless of if you felt like his, his contract was a burden, the reality is we never really got to see auto, auto Porter do his thing here. So that makes that trade clearly a bad trade. And I don't think that's going to be the same thing with Nikola Vucevic. I agree. Thank God he's gone. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't say that part. And Otto Porter went down there. We, I, I should have said this. We got rid of the juniors, the juniors, juniors, and we needed to get our rid tourists, of some juniors. Our, tu- our tourists went down there like the juniors. The, the juniors over there. <laughs> hey, tell them to go. Tell them they out. They out. You, 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 you too. Out. Right? For real. Deuces. So listen, good luck to those gentlemen. Um, hopefully Wendell uh, really becomes the player that uh, he, he was predicted to be and he can get paid and he have success. I know from everybody that I've had contact with him, he seems like a ge- real genuinely good young man. Um, but, you know, work on that game. Stop worrying about all the other stuff. 
preach. <laughs> All right. We're getting close. And also, uh, we did an interview with Lamont Pope from the Tribune. Make sure you check that out. Uh, talking White Sox baseball. Um, it's time for the boys of summer. All right. It's about to start off this weekend. The boys of summer, man, is about to start off. And my heart, my heart is still broken from what happened with Eloy. But Lamont, he rose, he, he, he rose my heart up, man. He, he, you know, he, yeah. he, he, he put a little wind beneath my wings. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You should still have that wind. <laughs> Maybe a little turbulence right now, but he lifted you should still have that wind. He lifted my sails. Um, but, yeah, we got, you know what I'm saying, the Cubs and the White Sox. Um, they open up um, on Thursday. Um, it's definitely the Cubs are going to be here in Chicago. White Sox going to be in Anaheim. Yes. White Sox will be taking on Joe Madden's team. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to doing some midday work for the JLB and having the Sox game on while I'm doing it and taking it in or and or the Cubs game. You know what I'm saying? Burden, particularly the Sox. Uh, that's my squad, but I do watch both of them. Um, and just hopefully this season is a, a, a breath of fresh air. And it's an addition to what they did last year. And it's not a regression um, because on paper, they're even better. Um, and that's that's what I'm looking forward to. One of the things I did ask Lamont, it's funny because we had this debate uh, on uh, Sean and Maya, I believe, was if you had your druthers, who would you have wanted to go to um, the Rangers for Lance Lynn? Would it have been Dane Dunning or Dylan Cease? And he brought up just the type of stuff that Dylan Cease uh, necessarily has. He didn't give it clear, but it, he did basically go with Cease. I'm a Dane Dunning guy. I think Dane Dunning has some some just some nasty stuff. I don't mean just physical. I just think mentally he has some enchant intangibles. But uh, we'll see what Ethan Katz can get out of this. these pitchers. Um, I'm ecstatic to have Ethan Katz uh, as the pitching coach, even though we always love uh, our, our guy, Don Cooper, but it was definitely time to go. But uh, listen, tell me a little bit of what your expectations are on the north side, you st- outside of the Eloy thing, and a lot of n- little nagging injuries with the Sox, but still you're looking at the team that's been in contention um, so far from the spring break, spring training coming to almost to completion. Uh, what have you seen from the Cubs, and what do you expect is going to happen? And pl- don't just do it out of – you mad? It's not what it should be, but maybe it, it could be something because they still do have a decent amount of talent out here. Just low V. Well, I think how what do you get out of KB? It's the same thing every year in terms of that. Uh, if KB is not going to be your All Star MVP superstar type, puts a lot of pressure on the rest of that lineup. And Rizzo, he's been declined the last few years in terms of his numbers. We'll see if that's just been a little blip and he's going to go back to his regular numbers, but no guarantee right now. Wilson Contreras, he's really been a half a season type guy. You usually get a good half of the season first or second of the season. So can he you know kind of be, that. you know, we call that, you know, we call that. You got to, what do you call it? I don't know. A poly Canerco year. Oh yeah. A poly- <laughs> you should know that. It's a Paul Canerco year. Uh, so can he be more than Paul Canerco is the question. And then I think the other big pieces can Jock Peterson carry over anything that he's been doing in spring training and bring that into the regular season. Cause I think you kind of know everything else. Like, you know what Jason Hayward's going to be and hopefully that's just solid and not one of his more down years. Ian Happ, I think he's a good solid player, but I don't know if he's just going to hit a superstarness. So he's going to be another really good piece for you, but you need that extra oomph from the offense, especially if 
Chris Bryan isn't there. And then the other thing is Javi, of course, because Javi, he really has been hurting ever since the MLB has been cracking down on the video between innings so that they cut down on some of this cheating. And he really relied on that for making his adjustments at the plate. And he had a really, 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 really bad year, albeit a pandemic shortened season. So what is he going to be? And then you got to look at that rotation. They bring in Adbert Alzelay as the fifth starter and Jake Arrieta. He's going to be the number two. Do they provide enough difference in the pitching rotation that guys like Davies, Hendricks, and the soft tossers aren't kind of keyed in on? Even Trevor Williams aren't that they're not going to be keyed on by other teams, especially if you go a four game series or something like that. So if the pitching staff can hold up bullpen, I don't know because Craig Kimbrough, Kimbrough is another guy that they're going to rely on and he's just not looked very good at all so far. Maybe some moments here or there, and he definitely closed out last season pretty well, but if that it's really coming down to the pitching and the offense coming together, I think, because individually, like you said, the Cubs could be a good team with the collection of talent that they have, but it has to come together and they have to work in synchrony a little bit because especially over the last few years, the Cubs problem, when the offense has been there, it's usually the pitching staff isn't. When the pitching staff's there, usually the offense isn't. It just doesn't seem like it's been syncing up enough where they can go on extended winning periods. It's usually a good period followed by some kind of bad period and then a lot of in-between. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of come try to come with a bit more of a ray of sunshine because you still have the core players that you mentioned, and even if they give you a half a season, it may be better than perhaps what's going on in St. Louis. Even though St. Louis is looking pretty stout uh, with the moves that they made, but it's still a chance in a weak division that the Cubs may be able to overdo it. And sec- and that's but they have to understand that probably the wild card isn't an option, so they have to probably win this division. It's David Ross's second year, and we'll see uh, the improvements that he makes. And also, perhaps that can be the difference between uh, missing, trying to get in the wild card and taking the division because maybe you got a manager that's a true taskmaster and can push the buttons and get everything he needs to get out of his players. Yeah, and I think with Rossi, he's going to obviously improve. But the only thing is just... We just know that managers can't have that much control over how their team is playing. So it really comes down to these individual pieces. And even with what you're saying, I agree. If you get a half a season out of everybody, that's not the worst. And I think that they can contend in that division. It's not the same half. As long as it's not the same half. That's what I'm saying. Everything has the same Yes, yeah. that's that was going to be my point. It has to sync up. It seems like when something's going good, something else is dragging it down enough that the good doesn't overpower it. And it's never mm-hmm. just that period of just good. Yeah, I mean, and listen, I wish right now with Eloy going out, that Jock Peterson was on the south side instead of Adam Eaton. Uh, making sure you have more fire in that offense now. Thank God he waited. I don't know what the hell he was waiting for, but we need it. Boy, you, you think about it, you could have had Adam Eaton. Oh, I mean, oh, you thought I wasn't giving Ray of Sunshine then. I can see Anthony Rizzo <laughs> punching him in the face now. <laughs> if I wasn't already, I'm down here in Arizona. I could do it myself. 
<laughs> I was talking about you uh, being in Arizona with Lamont uh, during the interview. Uh, so make sure you check that interview out. We've posted it already if you're seeing this. Uh, but listen, it's about time to close out the show. You know that's mean it's time to go up for grabs. Up for grabs, 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 grabs. What you got, Ryan? That should be the intro for it. Just your face making that. Uh, we're all basketball today and up for grabs. And we're going to start with the college basketball tournament, the men's side. And we kind of know the final four teams were recording, so we're still waiting on the final result. But Gonzaga had their impressive victory. Baylor's in there. Houston's in there. How you feeling about this? Waiting on Michigan, which would be three number one seeds. The only one missing would be Illinois. So what do you think? Is it kind of surprising that all the the top seeds are here? I had three number ones. And one, I think number two, um, I think I forget where I got burned at. The problem is I, I told you uh, I didn't take Michigan, um, even though I wanted them to win it all. I had them losing in the, the not this round, the two rounds before the Florida State, which I should have went with my heart, but I was trying to go with that bag. Um, damn it. I wish I would have had Michigan make it to the final four. But uh, but also I was I thought one final four team, one number one seed wouldn't go. So that's why I didn't have Michigan also going. So I had Baylor, Illinois, and Gonzaga as my uh, t- two, my three number ones. So, nice. you know, yeah. So, and I got Gonzaga winning the whole thing. Uh, but I wanted Michigan nice. to win it. Michigan, I wanted Michigan to maybe win it as much, if not uh, as, as I wanted Illinois to win it just because of Jawan Howard. And I wish I would have just went with that when I was when I was writing out my bracket, but I didn't. Uh, listen, Gonzaga is a well-doing machine. Uh, listen, they just did the damn thing. Um, in that I'm rooting for them pretty hard, I feel like. Yeah, I don't know yeah, why. I want Mark Few to get one. Especially, Mark, you, you know what? You'd rather have Mark Few have an undefeated season than, than Bob, bad Bobby Knight. You know what I'm saying? Throat, chair throwing, no, uh, throat choking, you know. You, you, never, you don't see Mark Few doing something like that. You'd Old assaulting Bob, eh? Yeah, it's time, to, it's time for that to go. You know what I'm saying? So, and that old outfit that Bobby Knight has on, and when he, when they, well, it's like this, this tight plaid jacket and whatever. It's like, ugh. So uh, yeah, I'm rooting for I'm rooting for the Zags. Uh, but if I'll say this too, if not the Zags, uh, definitely you know uh, that I want uh, uh, the Michigan to win it. Yeah, I uh, I think Michigan's a great story. I actually don't mind Baylor. Kind of like their story too. I like Baylor I, too. I should have said that. I like Baylor too. I'm going Zags pretty hard. I even like Houston though. Kevin Sumlin coming back I from like Indiana, someone, but I don't like Houston. I like someone. I like them since Oklahoma, but I don't like you. It still was like Houston. How do I feel about this? Yeah, I know. You know, so know. it's like, but someone yeah, like, like Chicago State kinda... can't never make it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I know it's not even the same. I mean, but still. But yeah. Uh, yeah, as much as this has been the upset city final or NCAA tournament, this final four looking somewhat predictable. Yeah, it, it definitely, definitely. And I mean, it's been definitely top heavy. Um, there's been some still some, been some good games, even the games that your team may have lost and you expected them to win. But yeah, it's definitely been top heavy. And like I said, I've I've enjoyed both tournaments this year, the men's and the women's tournaments. To say yeah, that. they've they've been really, really exciting and good. especially coming off of you didn't have any tournaments last year because of the pandemic. Yeah, and like I just said, you get the upsets, but you're still getting the top heavy because. 
I don't know about you, but just having a tournament, let's say Final Four was like 12 seeds and under. I don't know if we'd be we'd be buying yeah. into that. But I mean, also, let's not forget about all those lower seeds that took out the higher seeds. This but like, that's what I'm uh, saying. You're getting a yeah. good balance. Yeah, you're getting you're yeah. Keeper. Yeah, right. still you get you. Yeah, you got the riffraff out, but for a second it looked like the riffraff was going to be up in the, the, the big time <laughs> right. show. Show, you know, I'm joking. I'm joking. All those schools, Roar Roberts and everybody else, but Loyola. I'm just playing games. We were you talking about did. you, Harvard. Get that riffraff. <laughs> Damn Harvard riffraffery. <laughs> All right, last one. Let's get out of here. My last up for grabs. Steve Nash responded to some of the comments about. Well, really, just from social media and everybody else. And now reporters are asking basically about the additions that the Nets are making with LaMarcus Aldridge and already making with Blake Griffin and looking like this mega super team. And I just want to read one of the quotes from what he said. Uh, I don't hear it. I live in my Nets bubble, Nash said on Monday. I don't know what anyone says about us, to be honest with you. It's not like we did anything illegal. I don't know what we're supposed to do. Not try to add to our roster and just sit pat? And I know from us talking about it, I guess you're not supposed to, but boy, I really wanted them to he's because this supposed, is some jank. Mm, he's not supposed to. The NBA has to do something with the buyout. Um, depending on – it has to be based on whatever team they're going to, how many type of maxed out contracts in the past the players on that team have received – has to be some some type of way like that, or you can only go to teams that are this seed and below. You know, like you 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 can't go to the top three teams in the, in whatever whatever conference after the buyout. You got to go to the teams that are lower than that. That's that's what needs to be done. Because I like your teams, first option that max buy the how many yeah, max if, you have, if you've had, had guys that have been max if you got like five guys that have been max let alone how many maxes have they received. No, you can't get this kid. And I mean, you. I guess you can also look at it age-wise because guys can be at the very end of their career. But it has to be something, some type of algorithm you can come up with. But you have to, you have to save, you have to save these. It's not saving these teams for themselves because they're doing what they should should do to secure the, their victory, secure the championship if they're going to win the championship. But it just competitive-wise, it sucks. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you, you could have had Blake Griffin, and I mean, okay, give him Blake Griffin. All right, here you can have that. But Lamarcus Aldridge should be on another team. Like you know, yes. like it would have been a lot more interesting to see Lamarcus Aldridge with the Heat and elevate the Heat and rise the Heat up to be a more, much more of a threat than to see him be the the, the cherry on top of making sure that nobody in the East is going to take the, the the Nets out now, regardless, almost regardless of KD's health. You know, KD can be eighty percent for the rest of the year, and you can't beat the Nets. That's just it. it, just, it nah, you have to do something to, to 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 safeguard against this. And so Steve Nash is doing what Steve Nash should do. Steve Nash is making sure that in his his first year, uh, he's come under some criticism because he he jumped the line. He's got him. He's gonna make sure I'm gonna show you why I jumped the line, you know. So I don't blame him, but I blame the NBA and I blame Adam Silver and David Stern because um, they could have taken care of this in the past. This this has kind of been getting out of hand, you know what I'm saying? But this year it, it, it made it really. It was really kind of just like it's a, it's a tad bit too much. So especially yeah, when I, it all funneled into Brooklyn. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like you, we, you can't even really get mad at Andre Drummond going to the Lakers because at least the Lakers are hurt. 
You know what I'm saying? Like Anthony Davis may not be 100 percent the rest of the year. And on top of that, it's Andre Drummond. I mean, not, I'm not dissing him, but it's a defensive rebounding cat, right. basically, who can be a four. He's an old school player in the new school NBA. He's still viable. But like even an old LaMarcus Aldridge can get out there and give you 17 and eight and give you that 17 in a myriad of ways. And the thing is, in, in San Antonio, you may have to a guard may have to leave his man and come down just to kind of get the ball out of LaMarcus hands just, you know, to put a little pressure on him. Nobody's doubling LaMarcus Archer or even just sending a man, you know what I'm saying? Down there. Yeah. No, I'm saying, I'm just saying now because, no, no, I'm talking about LaMarcus all just because of the talent around him. You're not leaving Kyrie. Oh, okay. You're not leaving. You're not going to leave the beard. You're not going to leave KD. You know, you may leave Blake Griffin, but like it's, it's, they got so many players that it, like these, these, Former All Star, All Star, former All Stars can just get busy because they're playing with so much talent. They're used to seeing two guys go at them, and nobody's going to send two guys at them. By the way, we have breaking news. We found out that Andre Drummond was going to the Nets, but then David Stern said no, and so he had to go. To the Nets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be funny, but yeah. So uh, again, uh, it's fine. The teams are making sure that they can do it. I'm not saying the team should be like, you know what, that could help us, but let's not do it. And on top of that, we don't have to give up any draft capital. I'm not saying that, but as far as somebody watching the league, it just it's just it takes away from what the playoffs could be because those players could be better threats on teams that have talent, but not as much talent as those super teams. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's a bunch of BS when we see teams just stack up like this. And NBA's got to try to get some parity. Like, every sport kind of has built-in parity except for the NBA. I mean, you can't just have, at most, three teams viable. And they're lucky when they get three teams viable for the title. Mm -hmm. Like, you got to get it at least, like two in each conference and set up some mega, like even like we had the battle for LA. If that doesn't come true, fine. That doesn't come true, but it can't just be like, this is the finals really. Right. I mean, and right now, I mean, with LA being hurt, it definitely seems like it's open in the West to where three, three teams, perhaps four can maybe do it. Um, But in the East, I mean, who's really going to be the healthy Nets team? You know what I'm saying? Like Joel and B hasn't even come back. Right. So we don't even know how he's going to start Steph Curryan from the outside. I'm just saying, like, who can be who can beat that dude on top of that? Now you got where you got DeAndre Jordan, LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin. And that's what 18 uh, fouls that you can give on Giannis. And also he has to D these guys up and not DeAndre Jordan as much on the other end. But like it, you're wearing his ass out like it's just. I would have loved to see the Marcus Aldridge go to the Heat. You know what I'm saying? Because them just getting Oladipo isn't one of those things where it's like, man, you can't stop the Heat. And then you're getting the older LaMarcus Aldridge who can come in there and play alongside Bam and step in for Bam when Bam needs to rest. Um, I thought I think it would have been a, a, a super nice squad. He just didn't want to go down there and deal with the Miami way. He was like, he was like, you're gonna be doing what? You're gonna be getting up in about four. Eight? You said what? No, I'm so joking. Uh, I'm sure with Pop, he's used to uh, being regimented, but uh, still, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I don't think it is the the best for the league moving forward, and they need to do something. And I'm not saying that these these players have to go to teams that aren't going to make the playoffs or their chances are just dire. But I'm saying they should go to teams that are up and coming. Like they, 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 there should be a, it should be a weighted system. Um, they should be on waivers. Yeah. Their contract is voided out. They, but they have to go to waivers is what it should be. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and that's what if I, you want, if make it only playoff team waiver or something. 
Yeah, if you if have, a, exactly. But worst, worst team. Yes, at the bottom to the top team, or even if it's not the worst team, uh, six, six to to the top. Then, if we, we, we just to be fair to the player, six to the top. But yeah, you have to do something like that. I'm with you. All right, listen, we always appreciate it. Again, make sure you check out the Lamont Pope interview if you want to get some socks talking. It's pretty good socks chat chatter. Follow him at Lamont Pope, a reporter for the Tribune, the beat reporter for the White Sox. Uh, always thanks to Ryan, uh, getting terrific guests and producing the show excellently. Excellently. Um, always appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us. Uh, make sure you check out the Under Center podcast and also Flip It Friends. And if you do anything, man, please stay safe because you know it's crazy out here. Everybody comfortable? Yeah. Get your ass up when I'm talking. Hey, take it easy. It's showtime. It's showtime. Yeah. Feel the magic and soul of the YBs. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Take two. That Davis show, and I'm lucky enough to be joined by Chicago Tribune White Sox beat writer Lamont Pope. Make sure you follow him at Lamont Pope. It's been a little minute, Lamont, but it's baseball time, so definitely have to bring you back. How have you been so far? Fantastic. Just got back from Arizona. You know, got to see a whole lot of spring training action. That was a lot of fun and getting ready for that regular season to begin. Listen. Um, how was Arizona with, and I know down there because the executive producer of this show now lives in Arizona, that they are, that the mass restrictions are gone and they're doing whatever in Arizona. But when it comes to your interaction with the team, how was that compared to 2019? Like, is it getting closer? Or I know we're still on Zoom, but are, is there any type of interaction you're getting with the players or uh, necessarily the coaching staff? We're able to get a little closer, but yeah, like you said, yeah, still, you know, no locker room, uh, no clubhouse conversations with guys. This is something that I really miss. Yeah, that, that's a chance when you kind of get to build those relationships, the one-on-one opportunities. Um, so, so that that still is incredibly missed. But you know, at the practice fields, like they they had us sort of roped on off. Uh, but we, you know, the guys were able to come and go. We were able to kind of communicate with them through that standpoint. So, so we're getting a little closer to to, to being able to, to get back with the guys. But yeah, still, still a little ways to go. And just on the last part with that, moving on in the season, do you see yourself and and the other reporters being? Or are they going to uh, travel uh, to to uh, opponents' fields? Sorry, I'm stumbling. Are they going to? Are you going to be on the road as much as perhaps you would two years ago? I know last year, and, and to a certain degree, is cool. You don't have to go anywhere. We can zoom and do these interviews. But do you expect to be on the road this season? I mean, I hope that's. I mean, and I, yeah, I anticipate. Yeah, I think I think they'll open that up a little bit more. Yeah, last year there were some restrictions from that standpoint. From you know the standpoint of if we went to a state that was you know a hot zone. Then when mm-hmm. we came back, we would have to quarantine from for you know the ten to fourteen days, and you know we wouldn't be able to get on into the ballpark. Um, and so I think those rules will be a little more uh, relaxed now. Obviously, there's, there's not many as many states in that red zone in that hot zone. Uh, so that's so that's a plus for everybody involved. Um, but also, you know, the fact that they're going to have fans back in the stands, you know, that, that's another thing where it's not going to be a situation. You know, I find it's going to kind of be a tough situation to be like, well, you know, they're not going to quiz every single fan, you know. Were you in California? Were you in? Yeah, right, so, so, right. so, so with 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 that sort of being the mindset from our perspective, I think that those things are going to open up a little bit more. We'll be able to do a little more traveling from that standpoint. I'm looking forward to it for sure. 
Right. Were you in Florida? Yes or no? Well, <laughs> 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 look, look, the, the, the big thing, and we kind of talked about it right before we, we came on live. Uh, it's Eloy, Eloy, Eloy. Um, mm-hmm. Last week was a gut punch. Um, I think if he was a, a middling player to be like, yeah, you know, we'd like him. But to have that bat and the importance of that bat, let alone the character of, of the levity that he brings to the team. Um, like what what are we supposed to take away from Eloy being gone with the amount of talent on this team? I guess I should ask you. Uh, definitely there'll be a hold there, but they should still be able to produce this season if the goal is to contend with the amount of players and the amount of talent they have in that rotation and with their everyday players. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's let's start with Eli. Just a tremendous loss, uh, you know, second in the team last year in home runs and in RBIs. Um, and, you know, just just someone, you know, potential MVP type candidate, you know, uh, hitting coach uh, Frankie Menachino said earlier in this in the uh, spring that here's someone that can hit 340 if he if he everything started clicking. This guy has all the tools and can go from pole to pole, just do about everything with the bat. With the glove, it's always been a little bit of an issue. And, again, that, that was the situation on Wednesday. You know, he's going on back for a ball that was pretty much, you know, he, he made a great – you know, he, he, the effort was It was there, gone. It was gone. the ball was gone, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, so losing Eloy, losing that bat, tremendous blow. But th- this is a team that still has a ton of offensive talent. You, know, you have the 2020 MVP in Jose Abreu. You have the 2019 batting champion in Tim Anderson. Uh, you, you expect – uh, Yohan Moncada to, to be kind of back to his 2019 form after 2020 dealing with the after effects with COVID. Uh, and so that, you know, that's, you expect that a little bit more of a boost from him. You expect from year one to year two to see those strides made from, for Luis Robert. You expect uh, someone along the lines with uh, Nick Madrigal as well. You know, those, those advancements from that first season to the second season. Uh, Yasmani Grandal, you know, one of the top hitting catchers in all the game as well. And so the, the talent is still there, but you know it is a huge loss from that standpoint. And then we haven't even gotten to you know a couple guys that they're going to probably expect to kind of help on in out with that contribution as well. Someone like an Andrew Vaughn, you know he's you know they've been testing him out in left field a little bit. He's going to be between left field and DH. He's going to be in that competition for the DH spot regardless. And then Zach Collins, he's had a great uh, spring, and so he's going to get some at bats there in DH when he's not backing up as catcher as well. And so. You know, there's a situation where the, the talent is there offensively. Uh, you know, obviously the pitching staff, you have three guys in the starting rotation that earned uh, Cy Young Award votes last season with with uh, Lucas and Dallas and Lance Lynn. Uh, Dylan has looked fantastic so far. Carlos Rodon has looked fantastic as well. And so that, that, those are five starters. And then the bullpen, like lights out, super talented. Nasty led by uh, um, Liam Hendricks, another guy who received some signing votes as well. And so, I mean, you know, the pieces are still there, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's no doubt that, that Eloy is a huge loss for these, for these next few months. And look, some of the guys that I definitely want to get into in a second about replacing Eloy, just adding offensive production is, is Andrew Vaughn and also Zach Collins. But one last thing on Eloy, that David show with Lamont Pope, follow him at Lamont Pope. Uh, listen, let's be honest. So we're talking DH now moving forward when he comes back. Uh, I mean, it's, if that bat, as you just said, can can produce 340 pole to pole, what's the use of continuing to risk it when he continues to get hurt out in the field? I mean, well, here's someone he he doesn't want to be DH. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's the big thing. You know, here's here's someone who wants to be out in the field, who's who's putting in the, the effort, who's putting in the the work, uh, and and so it's just sort of been a steady thing of you know there there's some shines you know there's some signs this spring where he was he was making some strides from that standpoint, but you know that was just a play that was again it was an effort play. Uh, maybe a little bit too much of an effort play. Um, and so, so it's just going to have to be a situation where 
you know, the, the rule has to be, hey, Eloy, you know, sort of like what, what, what Andrew was talking about the other day, you know, if, if the ball is hit to – uh, to, yeah. to, 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 to the line, I'm going to get that. Anything, anything else is going to have be, it, Lewis. You can have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. Look, and speaking of Andrew Vaughn, I think most Sox fans have just been opining for, to, to have him finally come up. We know he was in Schaumburg last year. Um, but now you're adding a lot to his plate. We, we already know he's a very mature hitter. All right. Um, and I know that can somewhat extrapolate to the outfield, but we're talking about a guy that really, as far as it, in the big show, hasn't played in the outfield. You know, you can do whatever you can do in spring training and whatever in Schaumburg, but not in the big show. Uh, how do you how do you look at his season? How did you initially look at his season and getting as many at bats as he was going to receive in the DH position? Because even if you're a, a prodigious hitter like he, he he seems to be that he'll be, you're still going to go to slumps. And you're still going to have guys that are kind of they're, they're crafty vets and they're going to know how to get you before you can kind of adjust after they adjust to you. So how did you expect his season to go? But now, added to the fact that he's going to be in the outfield, basically not his position. He was a first baseman in college. Uh, how do you think that's going to affect his overall play? Right, Andrew said, uh, "Church and state. That's the that's the mindset <laughs> that you have to have. You know, when <laughs> you have to separate them. You know, the outfield is the outfield, and hitting is the hitting, and you have to have that kind of different mindset and not let one impact the other. Uh, yeah, and, and that's and that's sort of been his approach as far as you know that that mindset, that smart mindset, has been something one of his strengths. And and when he goes into those type of slumps, like like everybody, like every single major league player goes through, you know, to have that sort of frame of mind and have that winning type, sort of attitude, that's going to go a long way in helping him out this." Season. Season. Yeah, I mean, and that's another situation with with Eli. You know, like I think that there wasn't going to be as much pressure, and then, and that's one of the things that all the guys really, not not just Andrew or not just Zach, have to kind of fight against. It's, it's the entire lineup. You can't try to do too much. You know, the the the, the natural instinct is like, man, we're we're missing Eli. We're missing this this big bat. You know, I'm going to need to do something. You know, do a little extra to kind of help on out the offense. No, you got to stay within yourself. Do do you. You do you, and then kind of let the chips fall the way they can, and just and just let the talent work its way on out. So I think you know the, the plan. You know he, he earned the spot as a de- as the designated hitter. He had a terrific spring, um, and so this this added wrinkle of him getting some looks out in the outfield. You know we know we don't know how often it's going to be. You know they you know they were kind of debating him today. Uh, Larissa was like, well he might be the starting uh, left fielder for for opening day, but it sounds like more likely he's going to be the DH and they're going to have Larry out. On left field, and then obviously eventually we're going to, they're going to get uh, Adam Engel back, and so that'll be another outfield option, and so so that might alleviate some pressures of him trying to continue to have to learn uh, left field when you do have those kind of other options to help on out in the outfield as well. And look, sticking with the outfield, because you would think when, when Adam Engel is healthy that he's going to get that spot. Maybe they'll move Adam Eden to the left and play Adam Engel in right. But we were looking at it in the offseason. It's basically those two platooning, somewhat depending on lefty and righty who's who's pitching that day. How, what's going to go on with the depth now? Because outside of just Eloy and his hitting, and I mean, he was, he's not a great defender, but still you're thinner out there because you didn't expect you're going to be using Adam Engel perhaps on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean that's that's one that was one of the the issues for sure. I mean, you know, you're, you're right now uh, the roster the way it's projected out. I mean, again, you you know you're going to use Garcia at times out there. Uh, you know, has several experience. You know, he can play just about anywhere. But first, I remember talked to him. Uh, uh, during spring training, he was like, you know what? I've been practicing at third. I've been practicing at short. I've been practicing at second. I haven't been practicing at first yet. First yet, but that's coming. <laughs> so, 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 so he kind of laughed about that. It was like, no, 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 no. That's, that's, all, that's all Jose. Uh, but but here, and then he has the, the experience in all three output positions as well. Uh, so, so you knew that, you know, with the, the projected uh, outfit of, of it being Eloy, Robert, 
and then Eaton, and then with Ingo as sort of that super sub, uh, and then also with Garcia, someone else you can plug on in there. That those those are going to be the five, you know, overall at, 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 from the jump. Um, yet in this wrinkle now, you know, Billy Hamilton's going to be in the mix a little bit. You know, defensive, particularly late inning defensive replacement. You know, he's he's a guy that you know, obviously has has the wheels, has the experience, can speed. Yes, yeah. yes, and, the and, and that, days. <laughs> I, yeah. I remember, like, I, I covered uh, a long time ago, I worked in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I covered uh, the minor league baseball team out there. And so I remember him from date when he was just going on and okay. on, just still in base after base after base after base. <laughs> and it's just so, so yeah, the, the, you know, so that's going to be an added element that they can utilize late in games as well, you know, on the base pass and then defensively as well. That, so that's going to be, you know, one of their options right now. Um, but the, yeah, the, the depth is, is definitely an issue, you know, and that's why they have to hope that uh, with Ingle, in Ingle's case, you know, the projection is two to four weeks and we'll see where that, that you know, right now that will land probably at the end of April. That Davis show right now with Chicago White Sox beat writer Lamont Pope. Make sure you follow him at Lamont Pope. Uh, listen, let's go to the backstop. Uh, we lost James McCann uh, this offseason, as he should. He should have went out and gotten a job that w- that he deserved from how he had produced the last couple of seasons. Uh, but a guy that, you know, I think a lot of White Sox fans have somewhat been down on. Initially, one, because he wasn't looked at as being a, a defensive catcher, but he was looked at as being more of a hitter, is Zach Collins. And it seems like his defense is somewhat improving. But how much are we going to end up depending on Zach Collins now because there's going to be more bats at the DH position that you didn't expect because you know you may have Andrew Vaughn out there playing playing left. So what 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 are we looking at with Zach Vaughn as, as being the backup catcher moving forward, and how how much has he improved defensively compared to seasons past? Yeah, he's improved uh, tremendously defensively. You know, the, the backup catcher was one of the uh, strengths. One of the story, and it was one of the storylines. You know, entering spring, you know, they they had. Collins, they had Luke Croy, they had Mercedes, uh, and you know. But we t- when we talked to Rick Hahn earlier today, he said, you know, the plan all along was to get one of those younger guys. They were going to be the, that that guy. You know, most of us thought, well, maybe you know, you, you add on, a, you add in a, a Jonathan Luke Croy. He has mm-hmm. all the experience in the world. Now, the, the plan from the jump was, you know, let's let's give one of these young guys if they, you know if they earn it, they're going to be that guy. And and both. Uh, all three played really well, uh, but you know the Collins was you know showed showed the ability to go the other way with the ball uh, and the defense. Like you said, that, I mean that was a big thing. The, the improvements that both Zach and Yermin were able to make defensively, you know, made, had to make making a little more, more of an easier decision when they had when they were able to go ahead and release uh, Jonathan Lucroy today. So it's a situation where you know. Zach's going to get the opportunity to be that, that first person in line to back on up when 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 Yasmani needs a day on off, and he's been pretty good behind the plate, and he's been very good at the plate. Let me ask you this too: with Yasmani, I mean, not with Yasmani, with Mercedes and with Zach, how are how's the interaction with calling a game, and, and, and are they getting shook off, or are they being allowed to call the game, and how has Yasmani affected those guys with being such a crafty veteran? Oh yeah, I mean the, the influence not only you know, not only Osmani, but when Luke Croy was there as well. I mean the, those guys have been providing tips, and this is why he had also added uh, Jerry Naren as as one of the you know new coaches. You know, here's someone who's been able to work with the catchers, and he's made a huge help from that standpoint. Um, and, you know, we had the chance to talk to the pitching coach Ethan Katz earlier today, and he. And he Praise the effort that both Collins and Mercedes have been as as far as getting them involved in, in calling games and, and doing all those little things as well. And so it's been a big team effort, and all those guys have been able to come on through from that standpoint. Now we're going to have to see can they carry on over to the regular season. 
And look, Yoan has looked like Yoan from 2019. You mentioned it earlier as far as, and I had to tell this p- to people last year when people were upset, what's up, what's up with him? I was like, you know, he had COVID, right? Like, <laughs> we don't even know anything about this. And people, Why isn't he legging it out? And I'm like, dude, he had COVID. Like, you have to think about, he may not be the same guy. So it seems like he is the same player and we can expect for him to be that lightning rod because clearly they needed it and they can't have 2020 you know, on Makata if they really plan on contending. Is it the sexy video? Like what, what's going on? How's, how's he getting this going like this? Yeah. You know, uh, Jose said, you know, we asked Jose about that video and he said, well, yeah, I told, I told him that he's going to have to make a song for me so I can use it as a walk-up song. So, so we'll, see, we'll, see how that, we'll see how that all goes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Mankata was, he was very honest from the jump. Like he was like, you know what, this thing wrecked me. I mean, it, it impacted me all, all season long. I remember a situation when they were playing against Cleveland and he was rounding and he scored a run and then like they were in, they showed him in the dugout and he was getting towed off. He was getting fanned off because it, it just like, he was just exhausted. And so that, you know, it, and the fact that he was able to play as many games as he was and, and he was able to be a finalist for the Gold Glove Award over at third base just sort of shows, you know, even though the, the bat wasn't, you know, the, what you would normally expect from Johan, uh, you know, he was he was game and he, and he gave that effort day in and day out. And so if he can get back to that standard, that 315 average that he had in uh, 2019, you know, the, the, the home runs, you know, the laying off, the, the, you know, the cut down the strikeouts, did it, he did everything. He lived up to what everyone had as far as those expectations were in 2019. We talked to him the other day and he said, you know what, I feel better than 2019. So so he's going into this season really confident in it and it's showing at the plate, right? I mean, he's, he's been able to do just about the other, just about anything. The other day they were playing the, uh, the Brewers and he fouled one off the inside of his leg and he was down in pain for a little bit and he got back on up and he hit one like to the moon, the next pitch. <laughs> so so here's someone who is, he, he's locked in and he's ready to go. Listen, it's a small sample size. Uh, but you mentioned Jerry Naren, and it's not really been a coach position. It seems like they filled in the past. But really, I, I wanted want you to talk a little bit about Naren. But really, I, I'm fascinated with Ethan Katz. Um, of course, being a White Sox fan, we all have love for Don Cooper. Um, but just from everything that happened two seasons ago with Lucas Giolito, you you kind of hoped that we ended up with this guy and he could use his magic. Or no, I know it's not magic, but he can use his training on all these other players. Uh, so how has that? How, how's the difference been, in particularly between Ethan Katz? in this small sample size and Don Cooper, what you saw in the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, obviously uh, with Coop, you know, veteran, you know, just just really, really well-respected throughout the entire game. And so, uh, you know, they, they're just always the longstanding guy with the White Sox. But with, with Ethan, uh, come on in here, you know, sort of getting a fresh look at some of these guys. You know, he's been working really closely with with Dylan. He's been working really closely with with Carlos Rodon, and, and you've seen some of those early results starting paying on off. Um, you know, and, and, you know, Rodon said the other day, it's like you know, you no, know, you know, you got to give credit to to Coop. He, you know, he, he was very he was very good with me. You know, but but you know, with with Ethan, we've we've done some things as well, and and so far it's paying on off. And so you're seeing some of the the benefits. Of this of this change so far early on with with both those guys and and, the, and those two guys will be will be key right I mean you know you, as, as far as we were talking about earlier you you expect you know what you're going to get from uh, Giolito you know what you're going to 
get from Dallas Keuchel. You know what you're going to get from Lance Lynn. Uh, and so, like, the key can someone like Dylan Cease cut down on the walks. And so, you know, today he had, I think, 11 strikeouts and no walks. And so, that, I mean, that is that is exactly how that, that's it. And this, and this is someone with all the potential in the world, right? Uh, but, he, but he was, t- I think he led the American League in walks last season in, in the short mm-hmm. season. So, so if he, you know, he, he knows that fastball command is crucial for him. And so when he's locked in like he was today, you know, that, that is just a, such a that's such a strong weapon to have at the number four spot. And then with Rodon, you know, here's someone who, you know, was non-tendered in December. Uh, and, and so there's, there's, there's is he going to cut, you know, the, the, the thought process was, you know, his, his time at this White Sox was over. Uh, right. But he, he got the call to come on back. You know, he was in competition with Ronaldo um, and he won that competition because of what he was able to do on the mound throughout the entire spring. He, he's been fantastic. He was fantastic this entire spring. And so him in that fifth role, if, if they can get, you know, Dallas Keuchel the other day said, you know, this is the Rodon that we're seeing right now is the guy that the Sox drafted, you know, mm-hmm. anticipated and drafted. And so, so, you know, obviously, you know, you can't expect night in and night out to have those type of performances from, from anybody one through five, you know, you might have a little bit of a slip up, but, but if you, if, if these guys can, guys can carry that momentum that they've built this spring, that's going to send this team to another level. And that's, and that's another thing that can help them even without Eli. It might be a situation where, you know, before this team would be expected to, or would plan to try to out bash a team, you know, now, now they can get a situation where it might be a few more, you know, a few more closer games than having those pitchings, having those starters, because we haven't even gotten to the bullpen yet. But having We're those starters, from, <laughs> having those starters in, uh, in the mix, you know, that, that goes a long way with, with the type of talent that they have uh, throughout that rotation. Kill Dave was lucky enough to be talking to Lamont Poe from the Chicago Tribune. Uh, listen, I got one. I got a question for you. All right. And you brought up Dylan Cease. And correct me if I'm wrong. If, if and of course the team's going to go for the player that they want the most. But if you had your druthers, would you have given up Cease or Dane Dunning in the Lance Lynch trade? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, and I know you have to go in that clubhouse sooner or later. But I, <laughs> no, I, mean, I think you know the fact that we, you know, Dylan. Uh, I, I would say I probably would have kept Dylan from the standpoint of we we've seen him right. We we know that you know there, there's a potential with with Dane. He's got all the potential in the world. Um, and the Rangers got a, you know the Rangers got a really good good one in, in Dane Dunning. Um, but but I think with with Dylan, like if, if everything can click, yeah. You know, again, he, he's someone who can be you know one of those top tier type pitchers. If if you know he has all the tools in the world, and so just everything just needs to start clicking. And so and, and that's the case. You know the fact that he he has you know even though, even in the playoff game, right? We we saw him come on in in game two, uh, you know an unfamiliar role out of the bullpen, and he he had the he had the clean inning. So so here was someone you know even you know you know he started all season long, been demoted to, to the bullpen. You know they weren't going to use him for game three. Um, and, and and the situation was, you know, he, when he was called upon in the bullpen for that, that game, too, he got the job done. And so those, those are some positive signs, you know, that just sort of having that makeup and having those tools. And like I said, it's all about just clicking and coming together for, for Dylan. And I think that he can, you know, the sky's the limit for him. Listen, the, the, the bullpen is full of heat. Um, last year's bullpen was nice, and this bullpen it seems even sweeter. Um, you look at Michael Kopech and Garrett Croce, uh, but listen, and Liam, Liam Hendricks. But one, what do you think of those guys so far uh, this this spring training? But in particular, who do you expect is going to get that last bullpen spot? 
Well, let's see. Let's start with the, the, the second question there. It's not, it's going to be uh, Jose Ruiz. Um, you know, like it was either going to be Ruiz, uh, Ryan Burr, um, and then Nick Turley. Those are the three that were sort of competing for that final spot. Turley, they, they ended up uh, designating for assignment today. Uh, Burr has been dealing with a little bit of a, a little bit of an injury, and, and he also was uh, reassigned today as well. And so it's going to be Ruiz as that as that final spot guy. Um, and you know, one thing that Larissa said the other day is that Ruiz can be flexible from that standpoint. So he's going to be that last that that, that final bullpen guy from that standpoint. Um, as far as just what I've seen from uh, well, let's start with, with Liam. You know, first off, you know, he's someone who is he is a character. <laughs> he, is, he, is, he is he is he is fun for us to talk to uh he you know, he, he he actually enjoys uh you know, talking with us which is always great as well uh but but more importantly for for Sox fans he can get the job done uh you know he's got a great fastball and and he and he's just sort of his transformation you know his his growth and his ability you know what he's been able to do the last couple of years with Oakland uh just phenomenal um and and the fact that here's someone who wants the ball you know, he, he, he said you know, in his introductory press conference, he wants to be on the mound 81 games. Um, and, you know, I don't, and we'll see, we'll see what happens if that is the case, yeah. but <laughs> or 81, you know, 81 innings. Yeah. So like, so it's like, but he, he wants the ball and he wants to go, he wants to go two, three days in a row and things of that nature. Uh, but, but the thing is with this bullpen, you don't have to, you know, you, right. you have a situation where you have a Cody Hoyer who can come on in. If you need a day off, you get, you have a situation where you have an Aaron Bummer who can come on in when you have a day off. If you need a, you know, we mentioned crochet, you know, obviously coming on in, Throwing that 100 mile power heat, um, you know, and, and just and, and his, his his slider was just. His, you know, I, was, I remember him uh, earlier this spring uh, against the Rangers. He came on in and he just was dropping, just dropping like, like like the Rangers to the lefties had no chance. It was like just just take your bat and go back to the dugout. Um, so so and then you add in Mike, you know, add in Kopech. Yeah, you know, another one, 100 miles per hour as well. With again, all the potential in the world. Um, so, so it's a situation where you get to the fifth inning, and this is one. Obviously, it's one of Larusa's strengths, right? Is it, what he was able to do with Oakland all those years, and with the Cardinals, just mix and match guys out of the bullpen. I mean, he, he was revolutionary with 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 that with with the A's particularly. Um, so, so the fact that he's going to have all of these different kind of Guys to go to, you know, you can go to. We have, you know, Evan Marshall had a terrific uh, spring. Uh, so, you know, from the fifth inning on, you know, you, you don't anticipate, you know, you anticipate like Lance Lynn or, or Lucas to go into the sixth or seventh. Uh, but if, but if, if you need someone after the fifth, you know, you, you have, you can go, Crochet, then Kopech, then Hoyer, then you know, Bummer, then then uh, then Hendricks to close on out. <laughs> I mean, and night after night after night, they all bring something different as well. You know, but they do bring the heat. That's that's one thing for sure. You've made the Eloy loss feel a little bit better, Lamont. So <laughs> lastly, I want to ask you, if you can, give me the Lamont Pope Pagoda predictions for the AL Central. I saw something on ESPN today, and they had Minnesota winning, and they only had the Sox getting like 84, 83 wins. And I was like, oh, no, not not this year. But where do you expect – who do you expect one to win this division? And I guess where where do you expect uh, Minnesota to end up after the Sox take first? <laughs> Yeah, you know, we, we did our predictions, and we had the uh, in the Tribune, and I did have the Sox first. But you know, everything was due before the Eloy injury. But I still think that's that's going to be the case. I still think that they have enough talent uh, on a day to day basis, and they, you know, they, they learned enough from last season that uh, even though you know, it was only a sixty game season, um, you know, the fact that. They, they, they had that late fade in, in the regular season and the fact that they, they really do believe that they should have won that 
you know, wild card series against the A's as well. So those are, those are motivating factors for this ball club. Um, so, I mean, I, I do think that there's enough talent there, and I do think that they will win the division. Um, I think Minnesota will finish second, and I think they'll be in the playoffs as well. So, uh, so, so I think that both those teams are going to make it. You know, I think Cle- I mean, Cleveland, you know, even though Cleveland suffered some, still got pitching. Yeah, yeah, you, you never count out. Uh, <laughs> still got and, and you know, from from the stock standpoint, you know, you expect the, the Royals. They, they made a bunch of moves in the offseason as well. You know, they got some veteran guys added. You know, Santana um, and some other some other veterans in the mix as well. And obviously the Tigers with a new manager with AJ Hinch. And so you, you know, with the Sox. Obviously, they dominated the series against the Royals. They dominated the series against the Tigers last season. You don't expect them to go, you know, nine and one, nine and one like they did against both those teams last year. But but they do have to have the, you know, if if you're going to be that team that's going to win this division and going to be a team that can possibly contend, you know, beyond, uh, you, you're going to have to to handle those those type of teams to to get to that position where you can win this division. Look, you throw somebody's name out, and it just—it—I it, have to ask you this: Were you a never AJ Hinch guy when the managerial position was open, or were you like, hey, you know, he's kind of little. It's not bad. No, no, yeah. I mean, I—I'm you know, always one of those guys that, uh, you know, if the situation would have arose and that would have been their 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 guy that they went went to, I wouldn't have had any issue from that standpoint as well. Yeah, the, the fact that he, I mean. They won, right? You know, he has that experience of winning yes. as well, and I think that's, I think that's the bottom line from that standpoint. That's, that's all I need to hear. I feel the same way. Uh, Lamont, I always appreciate it. Uh, be safe, man. I look forward to talking to you in another couple of weeks, bro. All right. Great talking to you, and enjoy opening day. You too.